Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. Chapter 7, verse 2, verse 5 actually. How God promised Abraham that he would give the land to him. And God gave him no inheritance in the land where he was, nor even enough to set his foot on. But when Abraham had no child, God promised Abraham to give that land to him for a possession, and not only him, and his descendants after him. At a time, he didn't have a child. So when God is is speaking to you and is promising you, don't focus on your current situation. Because once, Bible says that, let God be true and let all men be liars. In other words, whatever conditions have said, once God says it, it is true. Let God be true, but every man, King James, let all God be true and all men and man, every man, a liar. In other words, what, even, even what the doctor says, even though it is right for him to say it, there is a superior condition God can superimpose. If God said he's going to give you a child, even if your womb, has been cut off by doctors. And doctors are right to say you can't give birth. If God said he's going to give you a child, let God be true and let every man a liar. So God promised Abraham to give the land to him. At that time, the land didn't belong to him. He didn't have any possession there. But to give the land to him and to his descendants. At the time, he had no child. It's clear in the scriptures. At the time when he was childless, King James said he was at the at the time when uh, 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 at the time that seed after him when he had no child. Yeah, he had no child. He was childless. But God said, "I'm going to give it to you, and not only you and your descendant." Now, what am I trying to suppose? God always speaks about a people, not a person. God is the God of the people. He's a corporate God. He's a corporate God. So Jesus didn't choose one disciple. He chose 12. And we send them two by two because God works with a team. And so when God created man, he created man so, so that he will be in man and man will contain him. God wanted, this is very important, God wanted an accommodation. He wanted an accommodation, an apartment on the earth. Heaven, he had his own dwelling, but on earth, he wanted an apartment. He wanted an accommodation. And so he created man. And then Satan came and checked into the accommodation. And God said, okay, I'm going to get a group of people who I am going to die and redeem them from Satan. Then once I redeem them, now I'll put myself in them. When they come together, it even gives me more room to operate. So that is why anybody who calls themselves Christians and they don't belong to a Christian organization, a Christian team, for that matter, a church, either a home church or a church in a public place, it must be, a, they must come together regularly. It was normal. That's how Paul was able to kill them. Because uh, Acts chapter 8, Bible says that Saul was killing them, consenting to Stephen's death. He was killing them. How was he getting them? Because Saul, he made havoc against the church, entering into every house and, and uh, uh, hurling men and women, committing them to. So he was, how was he finding them? They were in homes. But he would come to your house and say, are you a Christian? No. In the days of Hitler, when he was, they, were try, they were killing the, uh, the Jews, there's one easy way to find who a Jew is. Sometimes in public, they will ask all the men to strip naked because a Jew will always be circumcised. He say, okay, you are one, you are one. You are. A Jew will always be circumcised because it's a sign of the covenant Abraham, made with, Abraham had with God. Three things that Jews never joke with, whether liberal Jews or um, radical Jews, religious Jews, they don't joke. Three things that every Jew will always have. Number one, circumcision. The circum- I mean, it doesn't matter what type of Jew you are. You have, you, circumcision is fundamental. Number two, the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, every Jew respects the Sabbath day. 
I mean, you have to, you can't be a Jew and say, the Sabbath day is not, you, that's, I mean, it's just basic. It's just basic. It like, it's like we live in United Kingdom. Nobody, if you tell somebody you want to do a coup and overthrow the queen or the prime minister, everybody will think you are mad. Because we don't do that here. My we, we don't do that here. You might, you might have to go somewhere else. But we don't, we don't do that here. Okay? So it is a common, whether you are a Labour Party or you are conservative or liberal or Green Party or red or blue, it doesn't matter what party you are. It's, it's like we don't think like that here. The same way Jews, Jews think circumcision. Jews think Sabbath and Jews think Passover. Circumcision, Sabbath, and Passover. So one of the ways Hitler could find them was to just find out who is circumcised. And you know, right away, he is Jewish. Now, how was Paul also locating the Christians? Because he too missed two circumcision. But it was through our gatherings in the house. If they are Christians, they will always gather. Even when you are killing them, they will always gather. So that Christian who doesn't want to be part of the gathering is living a substandard, below-belt Christian life. Because Paul was entering verse 2 of Acts chapter 8. He was entering from house to house. He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging, and dragging off men and women, committing them to... Why did he find out in the house? Because they always gather. One of the things we cannot do as Christians, we cannot not gather. We, I mean, it can't be possible. It's never possible. We cannot not gather. So the plan of the devil behind the coronavirus lockdown was to stop our gathering and stop our singing and our praying and our confession. There is something about our corporate meetings. See the number of believers who are backslided. Many. Some of you know somebody who is backslided. And then some say, make statements like, as for me, I just want to stay at home and now watch different, different uh, preachers. That's a very shameful kind of shameful thinking. Shame, shameful thinking. <laughs> shameful thinking. But people are genuine. They don't know. Ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They don't know. They think it's also an option. A lone ranger Christian. Who is fellowshipping with you? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship, koinonia. The Greek word is koinonia. Fellowshipping is an essential aspect of Christian living. Listen, I'm about to draw, I'm about to drop a big statement. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Fellowship, fellowshipping as a Christian is more critical for your Christian life than your I don't fornicate, than your I don't steal. Than your, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. It's not about you. The reason why you don't do that, you don't do that, is so you can be in a good shape with the Spirit, that the Spirit can flow through you, through others, and do His work. So it's about the body of Christ. So you fit in well. Any kind of Christian becomes a problem, a problem Christian, a problem giving Christian. When you are carnal, when you that's when you easily get offended by what that sister said, by what that brother said. And we have to be spiritual to help our relationship. I was teaching last week somewhere to a group of leaders, and I was telling them, even honor, honor, honor your mother and father. Honor, it says, let them that uh, um, labor, let the elders, let the pastors, let the leaders of a church be counted worthy of double honor. First Timothy 5, be counted worthy of double honor. He said, you have, we have to do that. Especially those who labor in, in the word of doctrine, the one who actually are teaching, working the word. First Thessalonians chapter 5 as well, chapter verse 12 and verse 13. He said, know those who labor amongst you, who are over you. And uh, it says that um, esteem them highly for their work. It's the same thing, for the sake of their work. So you might, we urge you, brethren, recognize, know them, which labor, know to, to know them that labor amongst you and over you in the Lord. And, and, and admonish you. That's their job. They are admonishing you. They are charging you. They are encouraging you. Esteem them highly for their works. Now watch this. The point I'm making is I was, I was sharing with these great leaders that in order to be able to be effective in living that kind of life, it is not a mental thing. It's not a mental thing. You can't say, okay, I've decided. I've just decided I'm going to honor my pastor. It gets to a time where your honor will be, will be wanting. 
Because if you are not spiritual enough and spiritual minded, it gets, for instance, how many of you have decided to forgive somebody before and it gets to a level, you say, no, this one I'm not, I'm not going to forgive. You, I mean, it's really, it's a hard thing. Well, it doesn't matter. You can be a pastor. You can have I always forgive. No. Listen, you always want to forgive, but you need the Holy Spirit to help you to forgive. It takes the Holy Spirit to be able to do the things of God. It takes the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit. So what I'm trying to say is that even to be able to fellowship with other believers effectively and profitably in the body, it requires a certain level of spirituality. However, our fellowshipping also helps us to be in good shape, to remain spiritual. Our fellowshipping builds us up. And our, it's, it's interesting. It said by the joint which, by, by that which every joint supplies. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16. By that which every joint the joints, 15 and 16. So the joints, we are all individuals. We have been put together. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effectual working by which every part, say every part. Every part. Uh, am I preaching at all? Every part does its share. So you do, you do your share, I do my share, we come together, and as I'm doing my share, you are doing my, my share, our joint, our koinonia, supply something that makes the body grow. The whole body is joined together, fitted together by what every joint supplies, according to the effectual working by which every, every part does its share, causes, causes growth of the body. For the edifying of itself. The body is able to build itself. Like the human body. That in fact up to now. Scientists are, are still baffled about. How the body. The human body even dies. Because the human body is able to recover itself. It's, it's, it's so built by God. That that's why. When this coronavirus situation came. They, they sometimes when there is. Some spread of some sickness or stuff. They have to in, introduce antibodies in your system or once, once they introduce it maybe your body didn't have it so it couldn't fight the sickness so that's why uh, chicken pox you have it the first time your body has developed the immunity against chicken pox it comes it doesn't hit it again so that's why sometimes uh, initially the prime minister and the scientists in united kingdom were talking about herd immunity herd immunity a large percentage of the population have had already contracted the virus and so they won't catch it again because the body develops here human body is very complex in the same way the body body of Christ is very amazing that the body builds itself in love. That's why Satan has to divide us through hatred, through anger, and through fleshly carnality and, okay, I'm doing my own thing. I don't connect with this one. I don't connect with this one. And the body begins to break down. So every part must do its share through koinonia. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they're continuing there steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and, and fellowshipping and then breaking of bread and prayer. Some of us, it's only the prayer you want. Wow. Only the prayer you want. Some people will tell you, oh, the preaching, preaching is too much. Doctrine is necessary. Doctrine is necessary. And doctrine goes with fellowship. Doctrine and fellowship. They, we got to continue in fellowship. Coronavirus is making people discontinue in fellowship. If you discontinue in fellowship, you will be disengaged from your spiritual assignment in God. He said in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, he says that, listen, this fellowshipping thing is very, beware, be careful, watch out. It's like you are reversing, you are driving and reversing, and there's a big, uh, big hole behind you. And you're, he said, hey, watch out, watch out. He said, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, whether you are a pastor, you are an apostle, you are a bishop, prophet, you just became born again, you've been, you've been born again for 82 years, let any of you, any, any of I can develop an evil heart of unbelief if I don't continue in fellowship. And by the time you realize, pastor says, God forbid, pastor says, oh, what's for me? This church, church thing, I'm tired. I'm tired. Because when you, when you disconnect from fellowship, you disconnect from the body. And once you disconnect from the body, you begin to say this, carnality slips in. You, de you develop an evil heart on, of unbelief hands down. Everybody has the propensity to develop an evil heart of unbelief. So when someone backslides, let's not let's not um, 
blast them and cast them away. The evil heart of unbelief, you just must know. They, they've actually eaten some poison and it's affected them. He says that, beware, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, the same as from fellowship and from church. New King James again. So, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Look at the next verse, verse 13. In departing from, but exalt one another. How often? How often? How can you live a one another life if you are not in koinonia? There must be some, some kind of fellowshipping. That's what fellowship, to exhort, challenge one another, inspire one another. Daily, whilst it's called today. If it's not called today, that's different. But if it's called today, then we have to exhort one another. Why? Lest any of you be hardened through the deceit. You, any of you, anybody at all can be hardened and begin to talk um, spiritual rubbish. <laughs> Spiritual. And so coming back to the fact that God wants a community to work with. He wants a community. That's why he called us. When you are born again, you are not born again to be by yourself. You are born again to be part of a team. You are born again to be part of a body. You are born again. And yes, spiritually, I am part of it. But physically, there must be koinonia. That is why, as I said, this coronavirus, the attack, the target is to stop our fellowshipping. Some people didn't know that. There are even pastors who don't understand the value of fellowshipping because of who taught them, because of their spiritual, uh, their kind of spiritual understanding. Fellowshipping is so essential. And I, I believe you and I agree with me that real fellowship is not just online because you can switch your camera off. We wouldn't know. I, years ago, I heard a story of a guy, a lady who was, uh, I think, internet, online dating a guy or so. And the guy is very handsome. He sees the guy always, and so they arrange the guy. They, they they've gone very far, but they haven't met because they live in two different locations, very far. So eventually, the relationship got to a place where they have to meet. The the lady met the guy. The guy is so it's like a midget, but he she didn't know. You know, sometimes when you watch the people who read the news, some of them are very short, or very very tall, but you won't know. Because they are just sitting, you only see it. Those days when we started the um, online service and Joel will record me. So like as I'm sitting here, I wear my suit and everything. But down, down I'm wearing some jeans. I'm wearing some tracksuit or jeans because I don't get up. So you won't see. You, you won't see. That is, that is the shortcomings and shortfall of online fellowship. It is not, it's not really real. If your hand hits your camera and it falls and you run out of battery. That means you have run out of fellowship. <laughs> you run out of fellowship. So, it, it, I mean, in the absence of real thing, like when I travel and I can't, my wife or my children are not with me, it's nice to hear their voice. If I can see their picture, it's better. You know, so sometimes in the absence of the real, well, who will go for picture when you have the real person? You have the real person and then you're, you're hugging the picture. Meanwhile, the person is standing near you. So I miss you so much. You are lying. You haven't missed the person. We, when lockdown is over and we start physical service, we will see those who really miss God. This, this one is just, um, it's like paramedic. <laughs> it's, it's just a, a, a temporal situation to keep, to keep us going because there need to be koinonia. The Greek word koinonia the Greek word koinonia, which is translated fellowship, is, it means like siamit. That's the same word that is used for siamese twins, twins, was siamese twins. It's like you practically, everywhere this one goes, they are together. They, are, they, are, they share the same blood. They are so tight, two human beings, but they, they have, their shoulders are joined together or their part is joined. That's siamese twins. And fellowship, we are so much part of one another that you can't separate us. Why did I talk about all these things? Because God always looks for a people. And so when we come together in fellowship, Matthew chapter 20, oh sorry, chapter 18, verse 20, he said, where two or three, oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. Ah, that means that as soon as gathering takes place, presence comes. 
Oh, so why, how about where there's no gathering? He hasn't guaranteed his presence. He hasn't said. He said, where two or three are gathered, in my name, that my name is important, please. In my name, in my name, in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I'm there in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered, in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. So that means that our gatherings are important, and I believe that God has given us this privilege to always come together. Can you imagine? Exhort everyone. Where else is called to call today? And every day, this June, every day we are having the privilege of coming together. What? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It's a blessing. It's a blessing. Don't wait till the day where you don't have a pre the chance to have it. Then you begin to miss. Oh, I miss those days. I make good use of these days. Because a time is coming, you miss these days. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm not lying to you. A time is coming, you will miss days like this. A time is coming. So let's make good use of the day. God called Abraham because he wanted the people. And God called Isaac because he was preparing him for a people. And he called Jacob, and Jacob was not enough. As soon as the people were emerged out of Jacob, he didn't say, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and Israel. No. Abraham, Isaac, after Jacob, the people he formed, that's it. They were the foundation for forming of God's people. And we, and because of that, as I said, God kind of looking for an apartment on this earth. He's looking at an apartment. That's why Jesus came to die. He came to die on the cross so that God can have a habitation. And God, oh, oh, God, God cannot live in buildings. It's an insult. It's, God cannot live. It's, it's in the Bible. Oh. Stephen said it. He said that, but Solomon built, David wanted to build him. Acts chapter 7, verse 44, downwards, 44, 45. David decided, wanted to build. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he, as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern. Oh, I like this one too. According to the pattern that he had, uh, he had seen. Moses saw the pattern before building. Don't be leading a church and doing your own way. You have to do it according to the pattern. Now go to the next verse. It says that, um, which, our, uh, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua into the, into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until, uh, this is it, until the time of, now look, he was, this is, he, he summarized the entirety of the Old Testament, Stephen, before they killed him. One person, all it was inside him. He summarized the entirety of the Old Testament from verse 1. He started with, the Old Testament story actually starts with Abraham. So he said, our father, God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was living in the Mesopotamia, in the air of the child before he went to Haran. And God told him, I'll do this. But after his father died, and he went on and told him about Abraham, about Jacob, about Joseph, about Moses. I like Moses. Moses decided to deliver them, but they said, who made you a ruler? Verse 30 something, 32, 33. Who made you a ruler and judge over us? And Moses ran away. But afterwards, God appeared to him and he said, go, I'm going to send you. And then the people who said, who made you a ruler? God sent him to be a ruler and judge over them. He brought them out of the, uh, of the land of Canaan. They went into the wilderness and he was with them. Then he spoke about, he commanded Moses, build the tabernacle because God is always looking for a dwelling place on earth. So the tabernacle was a temporal, am I preaching at all? <laughs> The, the tabernacle was something temporal because God had to find somewhere to stay, to stay amongst his people. But his original place of stay, I mean, I mean, can you imagine you are, it's, it's, you are, it's rain. When it's raining, you can stand and in the bus, is it the bus shed? You know, when bus, bus stop, you can stand there, but you can't sleep there. You can't sleep there. Now you found a location. This is a nice apartment. It doesn't have what it takes to, it's not a room. So actually, the physical things they built was not room enough for God. I will show you. Can I preach at all? Are you, are you sure you are learning something at all? And so, he, Stephen said, 
They built the tabernacle of witness, and God said, if you are going to accommodate me on earth, then I have a, 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 a model, verse, verse 44. I have a model in heaven, and that's how I live. So if you want to do something for me, then make sure I'm going to show you the model in heaven. So you, you build it according to the pattern. Though it's temporal, it's fake, or uh, it's replica Rolex watch, just make sure, oh, oh hallelujah. I know you like Rolex watch. We all do. But, so it says that um, make sure you built it according to the pattern shown you in heaven. So that when, when I see it, it looks like exactly what I want, even though it's not the real thing. So it was temporal. It was just a shadow. Hebrews chapter 10 said they were a shadow of things to come. Whatever you do, it was a shadow. And so they built the tabernacle. And when they built the tabernacle, they were there. And then the Bible says that until David, so verse 45, which our fathers, having received it in turn, brought it with Joshua into the, uh, 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 into the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove before them. Until the days of David. Now watch, watch this. What? Tell us about David. Verse 46. Talk to me about David. Tell me. David, who found favor before God and asked to find... Ah, did you see that? What did he ask? To find, to find what? To find what? What did I tell you God was looking for? God wanted a dwelling. It's called apartments. He wanted a dwelling on earth. Suddenly, it entered David's heart. He said, God, I have found favor before you. I want to find a dwelling for you. That's when David entered into the Messiah's line. That's what moved the heart of God. God said, David, you, have, you want an apartment for me? How did you know that? The reason why I created human beings is because I wanted a dwelling. How did you know? David, because you have done this, I will bless you. He said that the throne will never depart from your house. Not because he was, a, he was over-righteous, but because of his heart. His heart was so spiritual, he connected into what God loved most, which is his own dwelling. It's called the house of God. It's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. And so, till so David said he wanted to find a dwelling for God. Acts, let's go back to Acts chapter 7 verse 46. Now look at it. Look at the next verse. But God said, David, no, you won't do it. But Solomon built it. Why? Because David was not the one choosing to build it. Because of conditions. That's why the way you behave is important. But because it was in David's heart, God told him, because you have done this, I will build you a house. According to 2 Samuel chapter 7, from verse, from verse 11. If you consider from verse 11, it talks about how um, since the time I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel, and of course you to rest from all your enemies. And uh, also, the Lord tells you he will build your house because he, he, you have planned to do what he never asked anyone to do. But that's what he needed most. He wanted most on earth. So he said, when your, your time is come and you die, that's what God told David, I will set up your seed after you. This seed is Jesus. Your seed after you. Who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Now, look at that's why Jesus had to be the, the seed of David. He had to be the son of David. Because it's from here. He shall build, did you see that? He shall build a, a house for my name, or he shall build a dwelling, find a dwelling for me. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? How long? Obviously, that cannot be Solomon. That cannot be Solomon. Show me the Solomon's kingdom. It cannot be Solomon. And look at the verse 14 makes it even clearer. Verse 14 says that I will be his father. God said I will be the father of that guy. Not Solomon. God was not the, the father of Solomon. I will be his father and he, shall, and he shall be my son. This is mine. God, son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the, blow, uh, the, the, the blows of the sons of men. So David, God told David, I will raise your son after you and I will be his father. That's where the Messiah comes in. Because the Messiah is supposed to be the son of David and the son of God. That is why when Jesus asked them, now I'm going deeper into all this. That's why when Jesus asked them, they were confused. In Matthew chapter 22 verse 41. That was the last question, public question Jesus asked the, the Pharisees and they couldn't answer him. From that time, the Bible said, no one dared ask him any question again. Jesus said, Matthew, verse 41, Jesus asked them, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is it? They said unto him, he's a son of David. Were they right? Yes. yes. But God, then Jesus asked a bigger question. If he's the son of David, how can David be calling his, his son Lord? 
He's using God's title for his son. It's called, no, those days you won't do that. So then they were confused and they couldn't answer him. They couldn't answer because they didn't know. So when Jesus asked Peter and the disciples, who do men say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The Jews knew the Christ to be the son of David. They didn't know that he's both the son of David and the son of the living God. So when Peter said, Peter God, the son of the living God, Christ, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. So now back to the, it says that Solomon could not build it because we said, okay, watch this. But Solomon built him a house. Yes, he did. You see, Pastor, so you are confusing. Solomon built a house. That is not the house God was talking about. Solomon's own was a continuation of Moses' house. Moses built a tabernacle. Solomon built a temple. It was a replica. Look at the next verse. That will show you. Verse 14. However, someone shout, however. Shout it, however. Shout again, however. God will not, you will not go and live in a shed, bus stop. It can cover your head from the rain, but you will not stay. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples, hallelujah, hallelujah. made by hands, as the prophet said. It's obvious. God, you can't build a house for God. So what is the house he was looking for? He's looking for the house that Jesus came to build. It's called the church. It's called a church. In my father's house, there are many dwellings. It's called a church. So when we come together as a church, God has found a resting place. <laughs> For many generations, God has always been preparing. He created Adam because he wanted to be in Adam and Eve. And it's a whole generation. He is in them. And all of them form one man representing God on earth. But Satan came in. So we all became filled with Satan called the flesh. And Jesus came to redeem us from the, the power of Satan so that once he redeems us, he redeems us into the house of God. So we together become the house of God. We become the dwelling of God. We become the dwelling of God. That is why when he died on the cross in Matthew chapter 27 verse 53, Bible says, Bible says that, or oh, 51, 50, 51, 53, the temple, the curtain in the temple was ripped. The thing that was keeping the holies of holies from human eyes. It was torn. God cannot be kept in that thing again because it was just a shed. The temple Solomon built was a shed. The, uh, 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 Moses. The temple Solomon built was a shed. The tabernacle Moses built was a shed. The church Jesus built is the house. Hallelujah! 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 So we come together every now and we come, whether we are together physically or not, we are still the house of God. But when we come together, it's even better. That's why we cannot afford not to continue in the apostles' doctrine and apostles' fellowshipping. They were looking for them from house to house. And, and they will always go and meet. They will always, when they met, there's one thing they always did. They will pray. They will break bread, representing the communion. They will share fellowship. And then they will hear God's word. It was normal. It was, it was just standard procedure. It was just standard procedure. Part of sharing fellowship was singing one or two songs. But it wasn't going to sit, stand there, sit together and be dancing, 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 dancing. Get some, get some biblical information or revelation into your spirit and your head. <laughs> it's not bad in itself. Like praise night. It's not bad in itself. Why we can't be doing it every time? Now, what people don't know is they said, now, you, when even we have church, we can't sing. That's why, see, what you say is important. That's why your mouth has to be covered. Yeah. What, your mouth has to be covered. It's, it's not the government. No, no, there are, there are spiritual dimensions to all these things. Cover your mouth. Satan attacked people, human beings, their breath. People were struggling. They pay anything for breath. The, the coronavirus takes over your breath. The breath is the most important thing for every human being. The breath seizes your breath. That's why when you go, you drown, you die. Because no breath. Coronavirus was killing people, taking away their breath. That's why every, uh, when they are treating coronavirus patients, you must have ventilators to help send oxygen into their lungs. Their lungs must work. It attacks your ability to breathe. That's how people die on the cross. 
when they are dying on the cross, it's not the nails that kill them. But their inability to breathe, their lung, they can't, it becomes difficult for the diaphragm to go up and down to bring in air, to bring air. So they gasp for breath and they choke to death on the cross. Coronavirus is very cruel. But thank God, Jesus has already suffered the breathless life on the cross. Shout hallelujah! Hallelujah! And now on the back of that, to stop spirit, one of the major spiritual principles is what you say. When I went to Ghana recently, um, where was I in one morning? Where, what did, where was I? I could hear a certain religion. They have megaphone and they put on the buildings and then they scream, morning, Whoa! They, they chant over people. They chant over the city. They chant over the nation. They chant over the community. Because your ability to speak out releases some spiritual virtues. A silent Christianity is a useless and powerless Christianity. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Speak a word! Homologia! Speak a word! Homologia! Speak a word! So they block our speaking and block our fellowshipping. What again do we have? We become cheap. That's why many Christians in different churches are falling like flies. Falling pum, 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 like flies. Tell me. Tell me. Including pastors. Including church leaders. Including, including care group leaders. Care group leaders. If you don't push yourself to come on um, meetings like this, because that's what we bought, and you hear the word of God, some of you have been actually stronger in these times than other times. Why? Because of the strength of the word. The word is coming. The word is coming. The word, the word is what sustains you, not the music you are hearing. <laughs> not the music you are playing, the latest Christian song. Well, Pastor, shouldn't we listen? No, no, no. I didn't say that. I'm trying to say that without fellowshipping and the inflow of strong, the word of God, the word of God, the word of God. There are a lot of churches. There are a lot. I'm about to say something else which will be good for some pastors. Tell your auntie, tell your uncle, whose church they are running out of young people. Tell them, young people, they are trying to now introduce uh, choreography and dressing down. Look, Karis, we have a, our population is very high in young people. And yes, we, we, we look at my, so it's not a dressing. Oh, let's, let's get the rap music. And younger, younger, zonga, younger, younger, zonga. The young people who come younger. And so he said, we are creating the same worldly. And so a lot of churches, then where the pastor has gone to wear leather tattered jeans so he can appeal to the young people. My friend, drop it! That's not. What is our. How are we attracting young people with, with suit? Because of the word! Everybody who is looking for God will move, will migrate towards the word of God. Preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Preach the word across the generations. Everybody who says they're Christian reacts, whether old, young, small, baby, they react to God's word. That is the thing that generation. Across the generations, Christians have in common. Christians have in common. If we choose to be singing hymns and we maintain strong words, we will still have effective, fervent, fiery, God-loving Christians in our community. Oh, yeah. The word is the word. It's the word that builds. Haven't you realized that your, your health, listen to this, brothers and sisters. Maybe you don't know this. Let me tell you. Physically, your health is at the mercy of, of your diet. Mm -hmm. Your health is at the mercy of your diet. You go ahead and keep drinking the Coke, quaffing it like a sponge. Your <laughs> and you know, two people, they'll be eating the same sort of food. One will get away, the other one, because our genotype or blood genotype or genes, our type, may, may be okay for somebody. It might not be okay for, that's why even medication, some people react. Some people are allergic to some things. Some people are really allergic to nuts and other things. Some of us, anything at all, even the snake, the snake meat, you eat and it's... <laughs> well, some people, you know, because 
You, so what you eat, it affects your diet. It's the same in the spirit. The Bible said, does nature itself not teach you? So it's in the same. When you look at some natural order and trends, it's the same in the spirit. Your spiritual health is at the mercy of your spiritual diet. Your spiritual does not even nature itself teach you. Nature teach. Nature teaches. Nature. That's why Jesus was always saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, Matthew 13, throughout there. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, because we have not seen it. We haven't been there, but he's coming from there. But there must be something on earth that he can use to explain how the thing is like. So he says that it's like a man who was going for a journey and gave this to his servant. The kingdom of heaven is like a man, five wise virgins. It's everywhere. It's like, it's like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, chapter 13, verse 20, uh, 33, the kingdom is like. Verse 34, the kingdom is like, I think, um, and then verse 40, something, 41 or 44, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like again. I mean, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom, he has to use something we can identify with to explain something we don't have a clue about. In the same way, you look at nature, how food is affecting your health, or not you, but it affects health. And then you must, you must know that spiritual diet affects your quality of your Christian life. The quality, please, don't let us be deceived that young people are looking for rap music. Christians are looking for the word of God. The word of God. And young people, one of the things that young people, I'm talking to some, some church leaders, one of the things that young people actually look for, they look for authenticity. You are preaching the word, but the thing is just on your lips. It hasn't consumed you. You won't get young people to follow you. You won't get, young people love passion. If they see you set your heart, your, yourself on fire, they will stop to watch you burn or join you. They will walk you, when you are on fire, when you are on fire, when the pulpit is on fire and the word of God is burning on the pulpit, people will run there. We are not big on rap music. Even this white beard is not even encouraged to use if you are leading young people. But do you mind? Do you mind? <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He said, they remember how it is written, that the zeal of your house has consumed me. John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. The zeal, the zeal. Jesus was able to do so much in the temple. And he, you see, let me say this. You learn something. Listen to me. Look at my face. One of the popular ways that in our modern days has become synonymous to actual Christian life and actual Christian living is tolerance. Tolerance. Yeah. Tolerance and nice talk. If you are Christian, you will be nice. You will tolerate. It was very foreign from Jesus and the disciples. They were neither tolerant or speak. They spoke the truth of God. And the Paul could tell Simon or the, uh, uh, by Jesus that you will be blind for a season. They cast devils. They were beating them because of their preaching. Are you saying that we should be intolerant of people? I didn't say that. We should be intolerant of anything God doesn't tolerate. But the difference between us and terrorists is that there's so much love that it's not the person. We don't target persons, but we protect doctrine. <laughs> So, I mean, if you are a thief, you are a prostitute, I said, there's nothing wrong with prostitute, prostitution. It's good. There's nothing wrong with abusing a child. It's good. And I said, no. I, 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 I stand to differ and I will never. And because it's against God's will. But when you are hungry, I'll feed you. When you need help, I'll give you. But I will never endorse what you are doing. I, I, I can't. I can't. Because the word of God has held my, con my conscience captive. I, I just can. So, now, that means that I remember when we were in secondary school, I told you the story. They said, our final year, we were science students, 
the chemistry uh, exam is coming, and then we, they've got the, uh, the, the uh, examination board has sent the things that chemistry teacher needed. So you need this. So we knew, oh, okay, that means titration is coming. We know, we know that uh, equations or uh, mixtures, a few things. So we know what kind of, and then he will, once he knows, he will call all the students who are willing to pay, and then he will risk and teach them that. So he doesn't know the questions. But once they say, get this, get this, get this, they know, ah, it's likely this, this is coming. And then, so in our time, they said, we should come. I said, no, I can't do I'm a Christian. I can't go. They said, no, we... And the other guys were begging me, David, it's our destinies. Please, David, you, you, I said, sorry. The word of God has held my conscience captive. I can't do what is not in line with my convictions. Set your life on fire. God, without passion for Jesus, without the house of God consuming you, you can't do squat, you can't achieve much for Jesus. You can't accomplish much. It takes a heart for God. He said, as the deer pant for the waters, so my soul, Psalm 42 verse 1, so my soul, pants after thee, O Lord. As the deer is panting, so my soul pants after you. This is the time somebody laid down. He said, leave Ephraim alone. He's attached to his idols. Hosea chapter 4, verse 17. Leave him alone. He's not serious. Leave if let Ephraim alone for his attach. 417, Hosea. For his attach. Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. This is the time, sister. Put the idol aside. Put anything that is standing between you and God. Put it aside. Let let the fire of God's altar burn in your heart that you are willing to obey him and sacrifice. Today, I wanted to teach on how, what we need in order to be able to sacrifice. But as God will have it, I came to talk about the church, the house of God, the dwelling of God. God wants an apartment on earth. God! Homeless God on earth. He was homeless until he found you and I as the church. And then, so if you are the church, let's be the church. And let's do what only the church can do. Preach the gospel. Other things anybody at all can do. We can't do all the other things and leave the gospel. We should preach the gospel and then the other time we can use to do other things. But a lot of, no human being, no group of people can preach the gospel apart from the church. The gospel is the exclusive preserve of the church. That's what distinguishes the church from the world. The message, the gospel. The gospel of Christ, crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended, saved us from our sins. I like the way Hebrews says that. He, Hebrews chapter 7 verse um, 26. Yeah, Hebrews 7 26. For such a high priest is fitting for us. It's fitting for us who is holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Now look at verse 27. He offered himself. Look at this. Who does not need daily as the high priest to offer up sacrifice, first of all for his, uh, for, uh, for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once and for all. When he did what? He offered up himself. Jesus, look, look, look at it. He offered, this is, the high priest will go to God with the bulls. Jesus Christ went to God with himself. He offered up himself. He said, here I am. So that because of him, we can be the house of God. What? What? And, I mean, if you don't like this, then you are not a Christian. Any young person listening to me and you are wanting, waiting for a choreograph, is it choreograph? Choreography. Uh, choreography and rap music and tattered jeans and what, what else? <laughs> hip hop, hip hop, hip hop gospel music. Hip hop gospel music. Gangnam style. <laughs> That's what you are waiting for to serve God. 
then it's not the God, it's not the Bible God you are looking for to save. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a fake one. Because you are looking for excitement to serve God. No. When you serve God, you God in your heart, listen, listen, I came here, even if there was no one listening to me, I will still preach and excited like I'm preaching. Because my excitement doesn't come from your face. <laughs> it's coming from here. There's something on my inside. It's working on my outside. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are supposed to have our testimonies today, but we'll do it tomorrow. God is moving. He's touching lives. And guess what? This was just introduction to tell you how. I was just trying to tell you how our fellowshipping is important and is strengthening one another. It will empower one another. We, sh- we can't trivialize and downplay fellowship as Christians. Because we are the body of Christ. God doesn't use one person. He uses a people. Our Father who art in heaven. Not my Father who art in heaven. He said, when you come together on the first day of the week, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. When you come together on the first day, we should come together. It's always coming together. It's always coming together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I think from uh, 19 or so. He said, when you come together, when you come together, when you come together, it's a togetherness life. He said, he said we, we preach these things to you so that you can have fellowship. First John chapter 1. We, that, that we have seen. What our hands have handled. Our eyes have seen. Of the uh, word of truth. He says that that of the word of truth, which was from the beginning. Verse 2. Look at verse 2. He says that um, the, life, the, the life was manifested and we have seen and we bear witness and declare to you that, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Why are we declaring? Look at the next day. Kononia shows up. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have koinonia with us. You can't be on your own. Sorry, sorry. If you are born again, you are not on your own. The very day you got born again, you lost your independence. No, there's no independent born again Christian. It's an oxymoron. It's a tautology. It's like, say, oh, are you one of the born again Christians? Is there anything like a Christian that is not born again? <laughs> is there anything like it? There's nothing like a, a Christian who is not born again. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you are always up to date. Be blessed.